1: Welcome back to Pickaxe and Roll, brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. I'm your host Ryan Blackburn at NBA Blackburn on Twitter. It is Tuesday morning, uh, Monday night, of course, but it's about twelve fifteen. Uh, recording this on the evening. That's the Denver Nuggets outlasted the Golden State Warriors. Final score one thirty one, one twenty four. This was an offensive showdown. From both of these teams. Very little defense was played. The Nuggets definitely sensed that given that this was the Warriors' B team, they didn't have to have their best effort in order to be out there and in order to get a W. But they still had to show up. And there were definitely some moments throughout this game where they had to really put their foot down and and make sure that the Warriors did not overtake them because the Warriors were shooting like crazy they were doing some crazy things. Uh, Jordan Poole has 32 points on 11 of 19 from the field, 8 of 12 from three. Moses Moody, rookie this year, drafted 14th overall. 30 points, 10 of 23 from the field, 5 of 12 from three. Uh, both of those guys, Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, that's that's the comparisons that you're going to draw at this point. And the only thing that held the Warriors back tonight was they didn't have their version of Draymond Green. No big man really. Uh, put together the high assist night. Uh, Bielitsa had five assists, but he wasn't necessarily the impactful defensive player that they needed, of course. And that really stands out when you look at Nikola Jokic's stat line, of course, where he goes for 32 points, 12 of 17 from the field, 15 rebounds, 13 assists, three turnovers, was a plus 14 he did miss six, I, th- I thought it was seven free throws. I-, I must be looking at a different box score here. I thought it was seven free throws, but either way, uh, not, not his best night from the free throw line, but that is what it is. Because once again, we are privy to one of the best performances of the season for Nikola Jokic to follow up what he did last night and bring your a game against a albeit injured golden state warriors team. Don't get me wrong, I'm not going to sit here and make like make like this was the 96 bulls or anything like that from a defensive perspective. I do think that's what Jokic is able to do from an athletic standpoint, from an endurance standpoint, and just from a consistently dominant standpoint is just so important for this Nuggets team to center themselves around, to always know that their big fella, Nikola Jokic, is going to deliver on a nightly basis. If he didn't have as great of a game tonight, then the Nuggets might have lost. They absolutely might have lost. They've lost these situations before. Maybe not to this uh, stronger version of the Golden State Warriors, but a couple years ago, the Golden State Warriors came into Denver with Juan Toscano Anderson and Damian Lee and uh, various other players that they had on their roster, including Marquise Chris and Andrew Wiggins and Eric Paschal. And they beat Denver, despite the fact that they're in the midst of what was a really, really bad season. So the fact that the Nuggets were able to withstand that on the second night of a back-to-back, it really does show the growth of this team that over the course of this last 20 plus game, I mean, last 21 games, they're 16 and five. And it showcases a lot of growth. And I'm really, really impressed with the way that they've centered themselves around Jokic, that when he has a good game, they continue to feed off of that. There are extended amounts of cuts. There are the good floor spacing options. Everybody's trying to find Jokic in the middle of the zone. Everybody's looking for him on the post-ups. People are undoubtedly buying into the greatness of Nikola Jokic in the Nuggets locker room. And there's nobody that's kind of going free willy on them. There's there's nobody that's kind of going away and doing their own thing. And sometimes you can look at players like Jamal Murray at times and players like Michael Porter especially as kind of diverting from, and that's the word I was looking for, as players that divert away from what the offense is supposed to be doing. I didn't think for a single second tonight that the Nuggets were diverting away from Jokic-style offense. And they put up a 128-129 offensive rating. They scored 131 on the Warriors. And I know the Warriors, like we said, they were injured. But the Nuggets made sure to take it to them anyway they didn't even shoot that well. The Nuggets didn't. like 10 of 32 is not the best three-point percentage that they've ever had. But they got to the line. They passed the ball really well. They made things work. And that all has to do with Jokic at the end of the day. There are other players that contributed to it. Don't get me wrong. But the Nuggets, very reliant on their starters. And for good reason. Very reliant on Jokic, obviously for good reason. Other starters tonight, I thought everybody had their own uh, positives, I think. Jeff Green was very opportunistic tonight. That's the way that I would describe him. He and but, but the one thing that he, even more than just opportunistic, was just willful, was the chase down block that he had late in the game, where the Nuggets are kind of letting things get a little bit closer. It's not out of the question that the Warriors, if they make a couple threes – if they get a stop here or there, that they could actually escape ball arena with the win. So Jeff Green hustling back on defense and having a chase down block in the manner that he did on, I don't remember who it was. Was it Gioza? Was it Jordan Poole? Was it Damian Lee? I don't know. Uh, But being able to catch up to that, making that highlight play, saving two points, it's such a big deal. It, It really is just... One of those things that is going to get lost to the ether at various points, but Jeff Green has been highlighted as a player that can sometimes look like he's loafing a little bit, that can sometimes look like he's conserving energy. He sold out for it in the fourth quarter. I think there's no doubt in my mind that he sold out for it. And his ability, his willingness at this stage of his career to be doing things like that is very, very valuable. So that's a really good example. Uh, in addition, his connection with Jokic and some of the other folks as well. He just continues to find ways that despite the fact that the three-pointer hasn't dropped this year, he's now down to, I think, like 30% or something from three-point range. He's still managing to be a positive scorer. And it's very rare for players to have that. But the reason he is, is he's so opportunistic with his opportuni- his opportunities, uh, with his chances when he's riffing off of what Jokic does and finding the gaps in the zone, finding the opportunities to slice to the rim, to cut. He had a nice baseline turnaround fadeaway from the post uh, when Denver kind of needed somebody to settle things down earlier in the game. He continues to play really well. And- It's nice to have other guys that on a night where, let's say, Aaron Gordon uh, only scored eight points tonight. Jeff Green's got him. He got 18. You're only expecting about 24 to 28 from those guys anyway. So getting 26 points from the two of them, that's perfectly fine, especially when Jokic puts up 32. And then you get 15 from Austin Rivers and 18 from Monte Morris. That is a great night for the starting unit and nobody's going to be asking for much more than that. So, Really good stuff from Jeff Green. 32 minutes on a back-to-back. That's great stuff. Not necessarily great for the long-term prospects, but we'll, we'll talk about that. Uh, Austin Rivers, I mentioned it earlier. 15 points on six of 12 from the field, two of six from three, had an and one opportunity. Four assists, three steals, including a pick six steal late in the game on Jordan Poole that was such a big play and he was actually awarded the defensive player of the game chain for that play specifically and i assume some other things as well but mostly that play because it turns a, positive, a a possible opportunity let's call it a 1 point per possession kind of play for the warriors it turns that kind of opportunity into two points the other way automatically it's a 3 point swing and going from What was a three-point game to now a five-point game as opposed to potentially have your lead be cut into is just so big down the stretch. Gary Harris was so big on the pick six kind of steals where you poke the ball free and you do so in such a way that nobody is in between you and the basket once you collect the ball and being able to lay that up and and Austin Rivers actually dunked it, uh, being able to get those and put some easy points on the board. is just such a big deal. So Austin Rivers steps up. Last night, he was clearly not feeling 100%, though he was busting his ass in first half, second half, and OT. Tonight, he plays 35 minutes, fits right into what the starters are doing, just continues to play really well. And I'm just really happy to see that he is finding that role for himself, that whenever there is a starter that is sitting out, he is generally the go-to guy, whether it's a 2, 3, or 4. Because of Denver's lineup, he is generally the guy that Denver goes to, and he fits well into almost every configuration. So, hats off to him. He had some good moments on Jordan Poole and Moses Moody as well. He is a very valuable piece. Um, Monte Morris, an invisible 18 points, seven assists, five rebounds with zero turnovers. And I say invisible in the best way possible because to me, I can't remember a single basket that Monte Morris had. And yet, it just feels like it's so part of the machine that it's built into what the Nuggets do that I don't necessarily like have to see any of them to know that Monte had a great game. He led the team in plus minus tonight in his 32 minutes, 18 points on six of 11, two of six from three, four of four from the line, five defensive rebounds, seven assists, one steal, zero turnovers. What a fantastic player to have where I'm talking about him fourth and he probably had the, like, maybe not the fourth highest impact, but close to it. And he's just so steady and positive. It's always nice to have a guy like that and he he did get burned a little bit by Poole and Moody at times on the perimeter where those guys were pulling up from 3 and Morris couldn't really contest those shots but the good thing about him was he gave it back the other way and he also set up Jokic in so many ways where you put Jokic into a great position to score and it benefits everybody because you put Jokic in a position to score and the defense knows that you just did that and they are going to react incredibly strongly towards a Jokic shot opportunity. And so that's what helps Jokic get 13 assists. But the fact that Jokic had 13, Morris had seven, Rivers had four, and Aaron Gordon had five, and Jeff Green had one. So the starting lineup had 30 assists between the five of them. That's nuts. That is a nuts stat. It's really, really impressive stuff. Let's just look at the baskets. Like, I know there was some overlap, of course, with these lineups. But okay, you've got nine, you've got twenty-one, you've got okay, thirty-three baskets, thirty assists. That's how you share the basketball. Pretty impressive. And finally, Ag, uh, he didn't have a an individual matchup that he could really take away tonight. There was no guy that he made sense as the primary defender. He did spend some time on Jordan Poole and Moses Moody. And that's like – like I thought his closeouts were really bad in the first quarter. And it's pretty clear that he was taking it easier tonight. Uh, Only took four shots, had five assists, had zero rebounds, which is very uh, abnormal for him. Uh, Eight points, five assists, zero rebounds – Zero steals, one block. It is what it is. Like these are games where you're glad that you got the win, and it's fine that he didn't have a big rebounding night because you had other guys that were able to step up there. Uh, But Denver did have the the rebounding battle was 41 to 41. So if Denver had lost the rebounding battle and then lost the game, I would make a bigger deal out of this than uh, I am now. But to be on the court for 28 minutes at six eight and grab zero rebounds. It is not great, but they won. So let's let's not get tied up with the details here. It's just, it's not worth it because the vibes are good. Let's not let's not kill the vibes, Ryan. Let's take a break. When we come back, we are going to talk about the bench, including a career high for two man two way player Davon Reed. But first, this podcast, as you know, it's brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top rated sportsbook app. Obviously, DraftKings is doing their deal right now for if you bet $1, if you sign up as a new user, if you bet $1 on any NBA team, let's let's call it the Nuggets, uh, for their next game, and they win, then you get back $150 in free bets. That's simple, very easy to do. I know that March Madness is also coming up very shortly too. Conference tournaments are coming up where everybody's trying to figure out who are the The uh, teams that are going to compete in the field of, I think it's 68 now as opposed to 64, but they whittle it down to 64 at some point. So uh, really interested to see what some of the college basketball teams are going to be looking like, especially with some of the NBA prospects. And if you want to go take a look at that, then I'm sure the DraftKings is going to have several game lines, props, everything in, in combination that you're looking for, including parlays, where you get to bet on the NCA tournament too. So keep an eye out for that. If you go over to DraftKings, make sure to use promo code MHS when you do. Uh, that helps me out. That helps out uh, our program here. So that's a, uh, that's a big deal for me. So if you go sign up for DraftKings, make sure to use promo code MHS. Once again, must be 21 or older, Colorado only, new customers only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem call, 1-800-522-4700. All right, we're back, pickaxe and roll, Ryan Blackburn here, and thank you so much for tuning in on this Tuesday, if you're listening on Tuesday. Thank you so much, of course, for being a part of this. i uh, I love when everybody gets involved. I love when I hear the shout outs. Uh, those are always awesome. Help you get through some of the the busy times where we are we're in the midst of a four and five, and I'm exhausted. Like it's bordering on one o'clock in the morning again, and it's it's one of those things where you sign up for this. You definitely sign up for this. You know what the what the schedules going to be like and and yet, uh, it's just exceedingly long. And it's just like with all the uh, stipulations and the precautions due to COVID and everything like that, everything is is just exceptionally long. So it is what it is. I've, I've been very thankful for this. And I'm thankful to everybody that uh, always offers the positive support. So thank you so much if you do. All right. Let's get into the bench lineup and let's get into one of the best stories of the night for sure. Uh, Denver obviously didn't have Will Barton tonight. Will Barton sat out. Uh, pretty sure he was the only guy that sat out, if I'm not mistaken, Behind, uh, other than uh, Murray Porter Flacco. But in his place was Austin Rivers in the starting lineup. And in Austin Rivers' place off the bench was Davon Reed. I kind of expected this because Michael Malone likes to do the thing where if you don't, if like, if you have a guy that makes sense positionally, Bones has been playing pretty well as the point guard. Brent has been playing pretty well as the shooting guard. Austin Rivers is kind of the complimentary guy there. Denver could have gone with Zeke Naji as kind of a bigger three, but rather than do that, Davon Reed makes some sense. He hasn't been on the court in a while. Uh, definitely deserves some of those reps for sure. And lo and behold, didn't have his like didn't have as strong of a game last time uh, he was when he was out here. But uh, tonight was just fantastic in his twenty minutes, seventeen points, six of eight from the field, five of seven from three, three rebounds, one assist, one block. Uh, was a minus three, but the entire bench was a minus. The entire starting unit was a plus. So I'm not going to hold him to that. But Denver had three guys all game that made multiple threes. You had Monte Morris who went two of six. You had Austin Rivers who went two of six. And you had Davon Reed who went five of seven. He made half of Denver's three-pointers tonight. And having somebody like that who can step up in those situations, make outside shots, make things easier for the rest of the team is just such a big deal. Like, Demarcus Cousins doesn't have the lanes to the basket that he usually does if Davon Reed doesn't hit the outside shots. Bryn Forbes, he didn't necessarily benefit from the outside shots tonight. He went 0 of 2 in his time, but Davon Reed had the ability to step up in his place, made some great plays. The one shot that he didn't take as a three was a cut where he was leveraging his three pointer and then used it to get to the rim for a dunk off of a cut off of a nice feed from uh, from DeMarcus Cousins. That was great. That's what you want to see from a player like Davon who can read the court, understand what's going on, and then benefit by being a high IQ basketball player and somebody who's a high flyer too. In addition, the one assist that he had was on a connection to Nikola Jokic where he ran a DHO off of kind of a design play where he was just the guy who was in that position to run that play. And he ran it. And it was pretty seamless. Nikola Jokic called him right up, got him into the DHO. Dave Unreed came off the screen, got downhill, and then fed Nikola Jokic a perfect uh, little feed for a 12-footer. And it was open. It was was an open 12-footer for Jokic, which he very rarely gets. So it's kind of nice to have a player who could get downhill a little bit and then set up Jokic for something easy when he was coming out of the break. Uh, He came onto the court immediately, hit that shot. Davon Reed just makes sense. He makes so much sense with the bench. He makes so so much sense with this team where he's such a, like in general, he's a lower usage player. Somebody who's going to take on tough defensive assignments, but also somebody who can do a little bit more and scale up his game every now and then. Sometimes it's the shooting like tonight. Sometimes it's the rebounding, when, especially when he's playing power forward. He definitely takes on more of a, a burden at that point. Sometimes it's the passing. And he had an assist tonight. He's had games where he's had multiple, so it's not like he can't do it. And sometimes it's a defense. Not necessarily tonight. Uh, they had uh, Jonathan Kaminga and uh, Nemanja Bjelica as the primary assignments for – and not even Bjelica, but Jonathan Kaminga was more of a physical uh, get-to-the-rim athlete. And he – like Jonathan Kaminga was fantastic tonight too. Like it was really interesting to see Jordan Poole, Moses Moody, and Jonathan Kaminga, all guys who are just very young and recent draft picks for the Warriors – be very successful and and they just have such a great foundation for what they're building now and going forward. I got distracted. Um Davon Reed look, I think that Davon Reed's going to be around the Nuggets for a long time. I think that he's one of those guys that is going to stick with the team because he's very PJ Dozier-ish. Uh Katie Wingy uh said this to me in the in the postgame Media section, and, and I, I thought it was very accurate. He's kind of the next evolution of PJ Dozier, where Denver had their version of, of Tory Craig in PJ Dozier. Now they have their version of PJ Dozier in Davon Reed, and this version is a lethal three point shooter, which is nuts. Denver just got this guy from a summer league roster, and then he formed a connection with Michael Malone. and. Michael Malone said, hey, trust us, and, and then he signed a two-way contract, or not to not a two-way, he signed a, an Exhibit 10, if I'm not mistaken, and went to the G League, and then Denver called him up. He was one of the very first call-ups in the NBA this year, and then he stuck with Denver because he was so good, and he filled in so well for Will Barton, Austin Rivers, Aaron Gordon, etc. that it was impossible to not sign him to the two-way. It was just too good, too valuable. And so now I think he's playing his way into a full-time contract going forward. He's going to be a relatively cheap contract, if I'm if I'm not mistaken, I would expect probably a two-year deal. If I were the Nuggets and if I were his agent. And just like getting him some guaranteed money for next year, maybe a non-guaranteed year after that, and just see where it goes. It just seems like he's in line to be a 10th or 11th man for the Nuggets going forward as they try to evolve their team, as they try to look towards what the next version of their contention is going to be. He's probably going to be a part of it. I would be shocked if he wasn't. Everybody says great things about Davon Reed, and he's going to probably be cheaper than some of the other options on Denver's current roster that they may or may not be able to bring back. So I'm curious to see it. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, He's not the only guy that played tonight, though. Uh, DeMarcus Cousins, 13 points in 13 minutes. His production is so valuable for getting through some of the tough bench stints. Uh, It wasn't the best night for DeMarcus. He was cooked defensively at times. Uh, Denver's entire bench unit was really, really bad defensively in general. And there were... A variety of reasons for that. It wasn't necessarily anybody's fault, but what DeMarcus really struggles with is the high level of motion and having a guy like Bielitza who kind of spaces you out a little bit, puts you into space, forces you to cover a lot of ground. And it wasn't his scoring in Bielitza that made the difference. It was the passing. And then it was also like Jordan Poole and Moses Moody and guys like that who are going off the dribble. Chris Gioza for another Uh, guys like that were going off the dribble and then breaking down the defense and finding gaps, finding passing lanes. Uh, So it wasn't necessarily DeMarcus's fault. If you have better perimeter defense in Bones Highland and Bryn Forbes, uh, Faku Composer got out there briefly. If you have better perimeter defense, then it's probably less of an issue. But I do think that it does go to show that Cousins needs that infrastructure around him and isn't just going to be great by himself. He needs better protection defensively. And it's one of the reasons why you have to be concerned about a potential playoff matchup with him. So look, it is what it is. 13 points on 10 shots is nothing to sneeze at. He did have a couple layups that kind of rolled off the rim. Jokic had a few of those too, and he still finished 12 of 17, which is nutso. Um, but the Marcus Cousins... Also had six rebounds, three assists, one steal, one block. The production is there. He's definitely been helpful and kind of centers everything around him, kind of like the starters do with Jokic. It's just very uncanny. Bones only played 10 minutes tonight. I thought his first stint was actually pretty good. And his ability in that brief amount of time to get into the teeth of the defense to find passing lanes was very helpful. He had four points, uh, one of four from the field, oh, of two from three. Probably needs to get more efficient going forward, and there are a couple shots that you definitely question. Uh, But he's guarded out there so closely that he definitely takes on a lot of attention. And that's one of the reasons why the starting unit or why the bench unit has been so much better with him as the, the bench guy, as the bench point guard, is because his defender can't leave him. He can't kind of dig down into the middle of the floor, or you're at risk of bones kind of catching fire and changing a game uh, for now like that just that continues to be a thing despite the fact that his shooting efficiency isn't great. he's treated that way and it's it's just kind of a different treatment from Vaku uh who also came in tonight after it looked like bones had another ankle incident, and that's that's gonna be i think a A point of contention for Bones for the rest of his career, or at least until he kind of solves that issue, uh, or his ankle is going to be healthy enough for him to stay on the court. Faku came in and really struggled. I don't want to belabor this because it's very unfair to him to ask him to be great when he comes in, but it it just it just was not good Uh, mid game like that, and and frankly, late game like that. Faku obviously didn't expect. To go into the game, it's just unfair to ask him to stay ready for that entire time and then to be locked in and fully committed and great and awesome. He did go o of three from three. He missed two free throws after what was a nice steal and then kind of causing a uh, a clear path foul. That's what I'm looking for. He did good to cause that, but it just missing the two free throws kind of negates the. Uh, the value of it in in a way. So I'm hopeful that maybe this is just a blip. Maybe you put him into a position where he has a little bit more of a runway and he looks better. Uh, We'll just have to see though. Like maybe he gets more playing time against Sacramento. It wouldn't surprise me if they decided to just sit bones and tell him, hey, if you've got a hurt ankle, it is what it is. Um, Jemichael Green also looked like he hurt his ankle or his knee or something like that. He was hobbling. Kind of at the very beginning of the fourth quarter, and that's not a great sign. That's like Jermichael's been so good for the team for so long that it it would be really bad for him to kind of have a setback here. What I will say is that Zeke Najee kind of came back and he got healthy, or at least he he's mostly healthy from what I from what I understand. Uh, but he's back and he's available and he's ready to go. And it's unfortunate that his spot kind of got lost because Denver's bench lineup has been so good. So I wonder if there's an opportunity for Zeke to also play in Sacramento on Wednesday. Maybe you sit down Jamichael, maybe you sit down uh, Bones, and you just go with a a lineup of like Faku, Bryn, Davon Reed, Zeke Najee, DeMarcus Cousins. And you hope that that goes well. You hope that you're in a position where you can make that work. And maybe they can. Maybe maybe they're fine. And Because Sacramento is not a good team. They've been sliding. They are, they are not a good basketball team right now. And so maybe if the bench can make that work, that would be fantastic. Uh, but it does kind of suck to see a couple guys go down with some injuries here. On top of the injury to Barton last game. You hope that Denver can... Get and stay healthy by the time the playoffs roll around, but that that might just be a dream at this point. Uh, and then finally, Brent Forbes. Uh, I did mention this briefly, but 0 of two from the field, 0 of two from three, two of two from the line. Not a great defensive night for him. Uh, kind of an invisible night. It's not always going to be a lot of shot attempts from him. Like I, I do genuinely think that so much of being a shooter is just by being out there and having the gravity, having the the magnetic pull that you have of the opposing defense, that when you're coming around a screen, like Denver ran a couple of plays where he's coming around a screen and the mere threat of him is forcing defenses to overreact, to kind of anticipate the pass, anticipate the cut, anticipate the curl, anticipate the flare out, And when you have a player like that that you always have to be attached to, it opens up opportunities for everybody else. Obviously, the bench didn't benefit from that as well tonight. We'll see if they can get back to better play against Sacramento. I will say this is now two games, maybe three games in a row where the bench has not been as strong of late. And so I don't want to say that that's a sign of things to come. It might just be things evening out that from where Denver was with the immensely positive bench lineup that they had in the few prior games, maybe it's just a good bench. and Maybe all a good bench has to be is just a net neutral. And Over the course of time, I have to imagine that this is going to zero out to about a net neutral with what Cousins has been able to provide, what Bryn Forbes is able to provide, what Bones is doing having guys like Davon Reed come in every now and then, that's kind of what you're expecting. And that's probably fine. And if that's the case, then more power to. Let's take a break. When we come back, we are going to talk about where the Nuggets currently stand because they are rolling now. We'll be right back. Right, we're back final segment pickaxe and roll thank you so much everybody for tuning in uh, let's get into the last segment here where the nuggets are clearly rolling this is that this is the segment where i now get to talk about what's happened for the last quarter of the season and sort of remind everybody almost like i, I almost have to do it with myself too that man the nuggets are good and and they Like sometimes you can get caught in the minutia. Sometimes you get caught up in the the very small details and a loss like the OKC loss can really stand out like a sore thumb. And you just think of that when you think of the team. And when you just take a step back and really realize that over the last 21 games, which is about 25% of the season, a quarter of the year, a sizable chunk, the Nuggets are 16 and 5. They have the third best record in the NBA in that span, and the best record is 16-3. So it's not like they're that far off. Their net rating is plus 7.5, second in the NBA. Their offensive rating is 117.7, fourth in the NBA. Here's the kicker. Their defensive rating is 110.1, which in and of itself is not a great defensive rating, but it ranks fourth. Because offense is up around the NBA right now. So Denver has a top five offense, a top five defense. They're 16-5 and five in their last 21. They've won just a freaking ton of games over the course of the last however many weeks. They're 9-1 and one in their last 10. And you start to really think about it. Think, man, the Nuggets know who they are now. I think they have their identity. I think they are now in a f- officially in a position where you can say they have their identity. They are a passing and cutting team. They have a strong starting unit, captained by a center. They have a strong bench unit now, captained by a center. And having those two guys, where they operate in their different ways, but Jokic being the MVP of the league, DeMarcus Cousins holding a high usage, a high impact, a high production level of scoring, rebounding, playmaking, whatever. Both of those guys kind of being the focal points of what the Nuggets do allows them to kind of mix and match between the two units at times, where it's not just the starters and the bench now. Sometimes Austin Rivers is closing. Sometimes Bones Highland is getting some overlap. Sometimes Jermichael Green is playing in place of Jeff Green. Sometimes it's Davon Reed like it was tonight. When you're healthy, when the Nuggets are healthy, uh, perhaps Will Barton spends some time with the second unit at various points. But more than anything... The Nuggets are a ball movement team, they are a player movement team, although less so than some of the other teams. And they're also a team that just dominates the glass. Because you have to, when you have Jokic and when you have Cousins, if you can't dominate the glass, you can't be good. And the one thing that stands out about their defensive rating, that stands out about the way that they've played, is that over the course... Of these last 21 games or so, let me just pull this up because, dumbly, I uh, actually, we're going to go over here. Over the course of the last 21 games, Denver's defensive rebounding rate is second to the NBA. Their overall rebounding rate, second to the NBA. That's who they are. They are an elite rebounding team. And they've gotten back to the point where they dominate the glass and they can dominate at least one aspect of the game. Shooting efficiency is also one where they they are generally just very, very good. They are leading the NBA in true shooting percentage during this time. They are leading the NBA in effective field goal percentage during this time. They dominate the interior. It hasn't been from three. And I've bat heads, or bashed heads, or uh, clashed, whatever you want to call it, with Matt Moore, my colleague, on this. And I will continue to maintain, and I think games like tonight are a great example, where teams are going to continue to zone up the Nuggets. They're going to try to force them to settle for threes. But the Nuggets are so good when they want to be, about cutting, rebounding, and finishing around the rim. That sometimes it just doesn't matter. Sometimes you have a guy like Jokic tonight who was just in his flipping bag with floaters. He was hitting some contested ones. He was hitting some open ones where there was a player right, right in front of him. But he just had a wide open lane to the basket for a floater. And he just pops those shots up despite the fact that the defense is waiting for him and hoping that he crashes in. And they aren't prepared for that. I think the Nuggets have found who they are. It's centered around two bigs. You have interchangeable guards, interchangeable wings, interchangeable forwards around your two bigs. And you can go big and you can go small and you can go perimeter oriented and you can go bash them inside, forward oriented, big man oriented, and just try to punish teams. The Nuggets are now versatile enough that they can do both. And despite the fact that they have played some easier teams during the stretch, there's no way around it. Their schedule has lightened up, and it's one of the reasons why they have the third best record in the NBA in this stretch. It's not because they're playing the Phoenix Suns every night. It's because they get to play Sacramento several times. It's because they get to play Oklahoma City. Oh, that's right. No, they lost to Oklahoma City. Say Levy. Um they have taken advantage of the schedule and that's what good teams do they play who's in front of them and they win the games they're supposed to and that is why the nuggets have a magic number of 15 to be a top 6 playoff team they're putting themselves into a healthy position 39 and 26 they are now at a 60% win percentage they are on track to finish with at least 48 wins which is nuts, because if they over over the next, they have seventeen games left. If they go ten and seven over the course of the next seventeen, then they'll go forty nine and thirty three, which is a perfectly reasonable record, especially without without a uh, Murray and Porter. Now the schedule is going to get a little tougher. You've got the Pacific to Mountain back to back against a bad Sacramento team, and then hopefully a better Warriors team. I want to see what the Nuggets do against the Warriors. Draymond Green's coming back on the 14th. He is not coming back in time for the Nuggets to play the Warriors, but it is what it is. They'll probably still face Steph, Clay, obviously Jordan Poole. Maybe they'll throw Moses Moody out there again and see if he can drill seven threes or however many he had. But after that, they play the Toronto team at home that gave them a lot of trouble on that second night of a back-to-back. But Denver... Should still have a good advantage in that one. Kind of like tonight where there's nobody really to guard Jokic. If Jokic is up for it, he can absolutely dominate that game too. But then the real kicker comes in where you get that three-game road trip that begins with the game of the year next week in Philly. You get, I think, Philly, you get Washington, you get Cleveland or whatever over the course of that span but all three of those games are winnable. All three of those games are tough. If you go 0 and 3 during that stretch, that'll be bad. If you go at least 1 and 2, that's palatable as long as you take care of some of these other teams. But going 2 and 1 on that stretch would be very big. Just kind of an unexpected thing based off of the caliber of teams that you're facing. But after that begins a four-game homestand where you have every other game you're playing starting on March 20th against the Boston, Helps, the Boston Celtics, good Lord. They play on the 22nd against the Clippers, the 24th against the Suns, the 26th against the Thunder. Those are all tough games. You're not taking Thunder games lightly anymore, that's for sure. But there is a significant chance that during that period, Michael Porter Jr. will be back with the team and play. I do believe that. A significant chance that he will be ready to suit up and play maybe some bench minutes during that time, which would be awesome. It would be so great to have some reinforcements like that. You also have an outside chance that Murray returns. Uh, we don't know what his progress is. He's definitely been working in silence on the practice gym or in the, the practice court as opposed to on the main court for when teams are playing. But we don't know what his progress looks like. The Nuggets have kind of gone dark On the MPJ and Jamal front over the course of these last few days. We don't really know. Nobody really knows. I think everybody has their own guess, everybody has their own expectation. Truth is, we don't really know. We can only assume based off of what we've seen. But Michael Porter Jr. had a workout tonight. He shot the ball really well, obviously. Didn't necessarily do any contact, but he's not doing contact before games anyway, so take that with a grain of salt. I do think it's at least a minimum of six games before reinforcements arrive, but I do think that the reinforcements are coming. Like, I do think that that is happening. And we're getting to a point now where that's in the. It's on the horizon. March 20th. Like, today is March 7th, or now March 8th. That's 12 days away. That's within two weeks. That's insanity. But now you can see that. You can hopefully appreciate that as we get a little bit closer here. But even without the reinforcements, Nikola Jokic and company, they've made it work. I wrote about this last night, yesterday. People are starting to really take notice of what Jokic has done, of what the Nuggets have done, of what he's been able to do. and, And in moments like he had on Sunday night, and then obviously tonight, where you can just put together some of these absurd stat lines and carry the nuggets in various ways where makes life easier for everybody else. They can get their own points, their own rebounds, their own assists by interacting with Jokic in different ways and taking advantage of the attention that he receives all the time and still manages to score extremely efficiently. People are taking notice. There's been a lot of talk on the timeline. There's been a lot of talk. NBA Today had a, a nice segment on Monday. Talking about Jokic being potentially MVP. And that, like, there's a lot of people that don't necessarily want to commit one way or the other right now because Embiid is playing so well. He had another 40 point double double tonight. And Jokic has a 30 point triple double. Like, these guys are going back and forth. And it could be anybody, it could be Giannis, too, who wins. Because he's been fantastic, too. Like, let's, let's be honest. But there was a lot of positive commentary on Nikola Jokic and what he's been able to do with this Nuggets team. People are really starting to take notice as you see. Man, 39 and 26 for Nikola Jokic and the Nuggets and the Chicago Bulls who lost tonight to the Philadelphia 76ers are in 4th place and they are 39 and 26. The Philadelphia 76ers who are in 2nd place in the Eastern Conference are 40 and 24. The Nuggets are 39 and 26. There are a lot of good teams in the NBA. Tiering them out, they're basically in the same tier. I think Miami has separated themselves as like a, a regular season team above the rest of the Eastern Conference right now. And then you've got a healthy Phoenix, a healthy Memphis, a healthy Golden State as the top of the Western Conference. And maybe you could you can lump Miami into that top tier. Everybody else is in the same tier. Acting like the, like the Sixers are this much better team is dumb. Acting like the Nuggets are this much better team when they're healthy is dumb. We don't know. You can only use what you have. You can only take what you take. the information that you've got. And the, the information that we do have is that the Nuggets are a good team. They're not a great team. And they might be a great team when they do have reinforcements. But over the course of the entire season, propped up by the fact that over the last 21 games, they have been a great team. Propped up by that fact, the Nuggets have been able to make it work. They've been good. They've been carried at various points. And that's going to boost Jokic's case for sure. I don't think the difference between those two teams is large enough that you can really make a case one way or the other for those guys. It's really about who's been the better player. I think that a lot of people are starting to see what numbers that Jokic is putting up and are starting to really appreciate them because they came with a comeback win last game against New Orleans. Tonight, they came with uh, on a back-to-back where people can now marvel at his health and fitness and just conditioning level because those are elite too. The Nuggets are in a good place. and. I love saying that because every time I say that, something seems to go wrong. And we'll see what happens. We'll see what goes wrong next. We'll see. But for now, we get to take solace in the fact that the Nuggets are in a good place. That a game that was a trap game, that could have turned into a trap game against the Golden State Warriors B team, turned into a game where Jokic gets to strut his stuff, gets to do some great things add to the MVP case and everybody gets to go home happy. That is going to do for this episode of pickaxe and roll brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top rated sportsbook app. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. I should be back. I'm not sure if I'm going to podcast tomorrow or not. Uh, Just uh, as a like, just pretty clearly. There's just a lot going on, and actually, I'm definitely not going to podcast tomorrow. This is going to be an off day for me. I just realized what the schedule was. Denver has games on uh, Sunday, Monday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Saturday, so I will have a podcast up on Thursday, a podcast up on Friday, and a podcast up on Sunday. So you can look forward to that from me, Uh, but for now. Everybody, thank you so much. Really appreciate all the love and support. It has been fantastic to bring the show to you and come together on this. Bring a great show. And I do my thing. And I do it well. I know that. And I love to share the info with everybody else. All the stats, all the numbers. Hopefully, we're making the positive this time. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. Talk to you guys very soon.